Good morning. Welcome to this time of worship. I'm so glad that we can have time listening to God as he speaks to us uh, through his word. Uh, I invite you to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. This verse opens with, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers today. Now, I know I begin with a verse that sounds negative, but for just a moment, realize that this verse, along with the following verses, represent truth that comes across as a warning. And so today we're listening to God's word, giving us specific warnings that we truly need to embrace. I don't know why, but sometimes we think warnings are just not necessary. I mean, we, we pull out that frozen box, that frozen entree, and we read microwave on high and then let cool before you eat. Now, who needs to be told to let a piping hot meal cool? But I would guarantee you someone in your home has burnt their mouth because they didn't let it cool. And so even though warnings seem not to be too uh, applicable to us, we desperately need warnings to protect us and to prepare us for what is to come. But the question still remains, why are we so slow to heed warnings? This question was asked to a research scientist in the field of meteorology. Uh, The question was posed to Kim McLean, why do people ignore warnings? This was her response concerning Uh, weather service warnings for storms. She writes, we give people days of alert, but they typically wait until they're under a warning before they respond, and then they only have a couple of minutes to take shelter. She said, people are doing what we call confirming the threat as they desperately react, and people are doing this on a continual basis. Now this morning, we are in God's word, engaging with truth that comes in the form of warning. And we need to do more than simply, in the words of McLean, confirm the threat with our desperate responses. We need to go much further than this. And to really understand how God's word is preparing us with truth that really needs to uh, alert us to some incredible dangers that exist. The warnings that are very particular to 2 Peter chapter 2, chapter 2 have to do with false beliefs, false voices, and God's judgment against both. This becomes a very crucial time of, of understanding that there are false voices And there are false beliefs that are affecting our lives at this moment. And we need to hear God's warning against both. We also need to hear a warning of how God judges those false voices and those false beliefs. Now, again, when we think of listening to warnings, the the application may feel 
negative. And you may be thinking, Pastor, this morning, just give us something good and, and easy upon which we can chew our, our spiritual teeth. Well, please understand that as we work through some of these warnings, uh, we will eventually find ourselves on the other side of the warning where there is God's truth and, and God's life that he desires to speak into our lives uh, through his voice made known in his word and through our relationship with Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. So we need these warnings so that we can move away from and avoid those dangerous distractions and find our way of truly hearing God's truth. Now, before I share some of these warnings with you, uh, looking at the context of of 2 Peter chapter 2 is, is very important. First, the broader context. When you look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter, regardless of who you might think wrote the epistles, and, and there are some who think that, that there is a different author for 2 Peter. Uh, biblical criticism holds this issue very important. But regardless of, of where your mind may be in, in that issue, when you look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter, the, the framework of each of these epistles is very clear. The, the context of 1 Peter references those uh, external pressures of persecution. Those, those hands of persecution from the outside. When you look at the epistle of Second Peter, you quickly recognize the framework of, of the context of those pressures from within, particularly false teachers and false voices and false beliefs that were working their way uh, within the church. And so I love the larger context of, of the Petrine authorship, the, the, the message of both first and second Peter sharing with us the, the church and how the church survived those external pressures of persecution and those internal pressures of, of false voices and, and false beliefs. So we find ourselves in chapter two where we're hearing these warnings and, and one more note of context, which is so important. When verse one of chapter two opens, we read, but false prophets arose among the people, and there are false teachers among you. Well, the reference points us back to the conclusion of chapter 1, where false prophets become an apparent um, contradiction to those um, true prophets that were being referenced. And most who were hearing Peter's words likely thought of the Old Testament prophets. And certainly, Old Testament history reminds us that there were many false prophets that rose up uh, to to contend with those true prophets that God called. One of those false prophets is actually referenced in verse 15, Balaam. And, and one chief characteristic of the false voices of the Old Testament, the false prophets, were that they spoke more of what a particular king would ask them to speak instead of having God's uh, leadership uh, in their lives. And so now that we're in chapter 2, we realize the context it's not just a, a historical reference to those false prophets, but the author reminds us that there are false teachers among us. And so here we find the beginning of, of a list of warnings against these false narratives and beliefs and voices that can truly affect the Christian life. So uh, there are as many as seven warnings in Second Peter chapter 2, and I'd like to share just a few of those warnings uh, with you today. We'll, we'll conclude next week with the remaining 
warnings, these truths that truly come across as God warning his church and his people. And so I'd like to share with you a few of those warnings this morning, beginning first with this, a warning of false voices. Now, we've already referenced this term, but look within chapter 2, verse 1. We first have a warning of false voices. The author writes, false prophets arose among the people, just as there are false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, let's pause there. A, a warning of false voices. You know, I've discovered that there are two sources of false voices. Uh, one source is what I like to call the blatant source. Uh, here we have an example of this, false teachers. They were blatant. They were right in front of, of those in the church speaking uh, truth that was wrong or speaking uh, beliefs that were wrong. So there is a blatant uh, source of, of false voices, those who are right in front of us speaking what is not true into our lives. But then there is a subtle source of false voices. And the reason we have both is because there are many today who likely might conclude, well, I don't have to worry about false teachers. I know all the people in my life. No one's trying to dupe me. And maybe you feel that way. Well, there may not be a blatant source of a false voice in your life, but I will guarantee you for most of us, there is a subtle false voice trying to uh, lead us astray or to lead us away from God's truth. And so we have this first warning, a warning of false voices. Let's focus first on the blatant source of these false voices, the example of, of how blatant false teachers were in, in Peter's day. Uh, I'd like to share with you a few descriptors, a few characteristics of the false teachers that our author describes, the, the blatant uh, example of false voices. So we read in verse 1, there will be false teachers among you. Well, the first characteristic of the false teacher that our author uh, describes uh, is that the false teachers were very familiar. They were, they were actually individuals who were already in place. The author wrote for us, there will be false teachers among you. I compare this, or better, I contrast this to some other New Testament verses that describe how false teachers False voices uh, work their way into the church. Jude, verse 4, is a prime example of how false teachers were described as creeping into the church. There were those itinerant teachers, but they were false teachers, and they would travel, and they would attempt to engage uh, particular churches with, with a different teaching than the gospel. But here, we do not have someone who is itinerant, someone who's trying to work their way in. We have someone who is in the church, inside of the Christian community, speaking what is not true. The first characteristic of a false teacher, of, of a false voice, would be that many times those false voices are very familiar. Here they could actually be categorized as compromised congregants. They were, they were in the church, but they had become influenced by a false belief in their own life, and they began propagating that to others. But many believed in what they were saying. Why? Because 
The individual was familiar. They, they acted as if they, they were a part of the church and that they cared about the things of Jesus. But their truth, their words were, were toxic. They were, they were misleading. They were corrupting uh, the influence of the gospel. And so the author is used by God to say, hey, be careful. Heed this warning. There are false voices uh, among you. You know, Jesus spoke of this in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus described a false teacher this way. Jesus said, there will be people who look as if they are in sheep's clothing coming to you. This could be literal and figurative. For prophets were dawned with, with apparel that would have the imagery of of, of a sheep's wool or, or sheep's clothing. But also this could reference individuals who looked as if they were indeed a, a part of the truth of, of the kingdom of Christ. Jesus said, be careful. People will approach you as if they are in sheep's clothing, but internally their hearts are ravenous wolves. This is uh, an overwhelming reality. Not only in the day in which Jesus was speaking these words, but in our day, there will be those in the, in the greater uh, landscape of life who are speaking truths as if they are right and, and are oriented on Christian faith. But there will be many who are speaking good things because outwardly they look like sheep, but inwardly their hearts are ravenous wolves. Their desire is to elevate self and to mislead others. Their desire would be to, to give self a foothold at the expense of others being pushed to the side. Even more aggressively, this description Jesus gave demonstrated how false teachers are, are, are ravenous and that they really don't care about the impact of their words. They're simply trying to build a case for themselves. Well, this is exactly what is being addressed in this epistle by our author who writes, there are teachers among you. First characteristic of false teachers, they, they look very familiar. They look as if they can be trusted. Now, this is important for you and I to remember. This epistle is a part of what the scripture holds as the general epistles. This epistle was written to many churches. And so Peter is not trying to cause a particular church to question the teachers therein. But Peter is saying in the, in the larger landscape of, of the first century church, hey, there are, there are people who will be passed off as right, but their, their words are dangerous and, and their influence is destructive. And so even today with, with mass social media and, and so many, uh, resources bringing information uh, straight uh, uh, to, to our minds and our hearts, we need to be aware that what sounds good and, and what seems to be okay needs to be tested because, oh, false teachers, false voices can appear familiar and they can be very dangerous if we're not careful. We can fall to that. Now, here's a second characteristic of, of a false voice, a false teacher. Uh, false teachers, as the author describes, always caused skepticism with foundational truth. False teachers are not only familiar, but they cause skepticism. As we continue to read, the author gives us this. There'll be teachers among you who secretly introduce destructive heresies. Do you see that in verse 1 of the second chapter of Second Peter? There are those who will introduce destructive heresies. Now, when you begin looking at this, connotation of destructive heresies, uh, our eyes quickly go to several verses that describe the actual words 
that false teachers were bringing. Verse 16 is an example of this. They, they gave carefully, cleverly crafted words. Over and over again, you see this idea of, of the type of words, the, the communication skill that the false teachers had by bringing something from the culture in. In fact, I found this interesting, and I'm so grateful that God's word speaks to us so clearly. When I read that there are those among you who bring in destructive heresies, that very phrase, bring in, actually can be translated to bring in alongside. So false teachers can cause skepticism to what you already believe because they bring in something from the outside to make it seem as if it's just as truthful or maybe even more important. And this becomes a very dangerous piece of our culture. In fact, there are actually lies that that Christians can tend to believe uh, there is a book by Sean Pruitt titled the, "The Nine Lives: The Nine Lies Christians Believe," and 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 there here are some examples of those lies that this author gives to us. Um, God won't give me more than I can handle. Uh, God just wants me to be happy. Oh, I could never forget forgive that person. Oh, just follow your heart. Uh, believe in yourself. I don't think God likes me. Well, person so-and-so will never change. These are significant mistruths, false lies that we can tend to believe because someone somewhere has spoken something into our culture or into our, our church or our relationship that seems right, but it's actually diametrically opposed to God's truth and, and God's voice. And so second, false teachers can cause us to be skeptical of truths that, that we already have in our, in our lives. There's a third characteristic of false teachers. Uh, false teachers do not speak with divine authority. Peter addresses this when he, when he writes in 2 Peter, again, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 1, denying the master who bought them or redeemed them. So these false teachers are characterized by our author as somebody who, who knew Jesus and knew the message of the gospel. And, and so the author writes, but these false teachers, they, they deny their master, the one who actually died to, to redeem them and purchase them. They're now denying Jesus. So a, a false teacher, third, uh, does not speak with divine authority. More particularly, a false teacher, a false voice does not speak with the interest of the truth of Jesus in mind at all. So if someone's speaking good things into your life and, and Jesus is not a part of that message at all, I would be careful as to what you might call truth in those statements or words that are spoken into your life because a false teacher will speak as if they have authority, but their authority is not divine for their focus is not Jesus. The author says this, they have forgotten their master. They deny Jesus. First John chapter 2, verse 22 and 23 reminds us that those who deny God and push him away are those who really don't know him. And so be careful that someone speaks with their own authority instead of the authority of God or the authority of Jesus and his rule and reign in their own lives. A fourth characteristic of a false teacher. False teachers uh, are not only familiar, uh, bring skepticism and speak not from divine authority, but their own authority. But fourth, false teachers always focus on words that would please man. False teachers always seem to look for for that phrase or that opportunity to please those that are, are listening to them. This, this is a dangerous trick of the enemy. False truth, false voices 
or interested in that uh, in that word or phrase that satisfies the itching ear, the tickling of the ear. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, this is what we read. There will be those who cannot endure sound doctrine because they desire that their ears would be tickled. Uh, they, they're not interested in soundness. They want to have words that are pleasing. This is why we read in verse 2, many will follow the false teachers. Many will follow. I know what a dangerous place to be when, when we are simply looking for something that tickles the ear, something that makes me feel good instead of truth that actually makes my life better changed and fruitful false teachers always tend to look for words that that please man so this becomes uh the example of a blatant false voice uh, a false teacher is described here that false voice that's blatant and apparent but the second type of false voice that we describe is the subtle false voice the subtle voice now here what's being described are false teachers but we have to pause for a minute to remember that false influence can easily work uh, its way into our hearts and minds if we are not careful. Now, before you think, well, that would never happen to me. I would never allow a false thought uh, to take over my life. Well, let me share with you someone who actually did that very thing. And it's a very respected character in the scripture, King David. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, King David had been running from King Saul for possibly close to a decade. He was in the land of the Philistines for a year and four months, according to the scripture. And King David is tired. He's weary. And in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1, King David actually makes this statement. I believe that before my life ends, I will fall into the hands of King Saul. Now, now again, that is actually a lie. It's not true. Why? Because earlier, God had anointed David and said, you're the next king. And David believed this. But in a moment of duress, David forgot the fact and he listened to the weariness of his heart and his mind and he bought into a false way of thinking, a false voice from his own thoughts affected his heart. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 reminds us of, reminds us of this. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? Man's heart is deceitful. We can't trust that. And yet David, according to the scripture, listened to his own heart and his own emotions and and fell to that for for a, a lengthy period in his life. Oh, we we need to be very concerned about the blatant false voices, false teachers, and we need to be very concerned about the subtle false voices, those influences in our own mind that can affect our faith. I love this uh, caption of Garfield, who's standing there and and he's he's holding a, a cell phone, and the caption reads, "Is there any way that I can have caller ID for the voices in my mind?" Uh, I love that caption because at times we may not know where these thoughts come from, and how did I draw this this conclusion of error? But many times the false voice can be very subtle. Something in the culture, uh, the, the enemy, Satan himself, can can move something in our lives that will cause us to uh, to to think that what is what is false is actually true, and that's a dangerous place to be because ah, uh, false voices can indeed be so incredibly subtle. And here we are warned against those false voices. So be careful. 
Remember these characteristics Peter described and don't allow that blatant false voice, false teachers to affect you, to speak into your life. And don't allow those subtle false voices uh, to affect you. Uh, in 1857, an architect by the name of Alexander Dawson rendered the uh, construction of a lighthouse to be placed uh, on a peninsula in the Tasman Sea in southern Australia. Uh, this drawing, this rendering went to uh, a pilot's board to approve that the lighthouse was in the correct place. Uh, inexplicable to all involved, the chairman of that board approved Dawson's lighthouse. But there was a problem. The lighthouse was actually rendered in the wrong place. Dawson took shortcuts, as history teaches, and the lighthouse was actually positioned in such a way that ships were guided right into the shoals and the rocks. Do you know how long this lighthouse stayed in place before someone realized that the error needed to be corrected? Not one day, not one year, but 40 years. History teaches us that for four decades, everyone looked at this particular lighthouse and assumed this is correct. But what seemed to many eyes correct actually led people to disaster because one man decided that he would take shortcuts with the drawing to benefit himself, and destruction came. I, I read that story over and over again with a sense of eeriness. Uh, I, I hated that it was a destructive piece of history, uh, nautically speaking. But, but what's even more grave is how false truths can mislead people into falling into destruction. And this is such a a dangerous place to be. So hear God's warning. Do not listen to the false voices, blatant or subtle, because only destruction can come. Beware of false voices. I want to share just one more warning with you before we close this morning. A warning of the destruction of false beliefs. This comes from verse 2 and 3. I'd like to share with you really briefly just a warning of false beliefs. We had a warning of false voices. Now, listen to the warning of, of the destruction of false beliefs. God's word tells us in verse 2 and 3, many will follow, referencing the false teachers, many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. Their destruction will not sleep. I want to share with you the downward spiral of the destructive false beliefs that many people buy into, many Christians buy into in their lives. Here's the warning of the destruction of false belief that comes from these false voices in, in the form of a downward spiral. Now, follow this with me. Uh, there are those who may be asking, what exactly did these false teachers teach? What exactly was the false voice saying? Well, when we read in verse 1 that they denied their master, the false voice could be saying a number of things that reference specific heresies that were present in the day that our author was used by God to give us these warnings. But the, the, the bottom line, the significant error was that the truth of Jesus was being reduced. Who Christ is was being denied by the false teachers. And we know that was a very blatant statement. Uh, there were those that would hold to Judaism that were considered false teachers that would deny the necessity of grace 
for they pointed people to the law and legalism or Judaism became the, the false doctrine. There were those who actually fell to what can be called antinomianism, anti-against, nomos, the law. There were those false teachers in, in Peter's day who tried to speak truth into the church, but they were speaking lies from this view of antinomianism, meaning that there is no more absolute. We have grace. There is, there is a vast difference between, between deity and that, was a spirit, that which is spiritual and that which is physical. So it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies. And there, were, there was no more absolutes in their teaching. So, so there were these dangerous heresies. Gnosticism could be added to this, where, where Christ was reduced to just one of many ways that God was revealing his truth to man. All of these were obviously very clear lies, but they had moved into the church and were wrongly influencing people. And so notice the downward spiral of how destructive these false beliefs were. The first step down, there existed the influence of false beliefs. That's the obvious step downward. Look at this in verse 2. Many will follow. The word follow there is actually from a word. It's, it's only used in Second Peter and in no other place in the Bible. And the word follow here actually means following something to the very end. This word is used only three times and, and only here in the whole of the scripture. In verse 16, uh, it's used. There are those who follow cleverly crafted words. In chapter 2, verse 2, same word. In chapter 2, verse 15, the same word. Following not that which is right, but that which is destructive. And so there was first the existence of a false belief. The influence of a false belief was was present and, and was becoming very uh, destructive in the lives of Christians. Second, on this downward spiral of the destruction of false beliefs, there was the destructive behavior that ensued from the from the influence of false beliefs, there became destructive behavior. Let's keep reading in verse two. Many will follow, will follow what? Their sensuality, referencing the false teacher. This word in the New American Standard sensuality can actually be translated shameful acts. Now, why would someone see a person trying to teach truth, knowing that their lives were built on shameful facts? And how would someone even trust that person? We know you could go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3, where the author writes, By this time, uh, you should have already put away the desires that you once had in your life, even as the Gentiles, pursuing a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, and, and the like, these ab ab abominable idolatries. Uh, Peter had, had written earlier, you've put away all of this. Isn't it amazing that the false teachers were living a lifestyle that seemed to advocate to other people in the church, hey, it's okay if you fall back to the way you used to live. There's no error there. This, this became a very subtle but a very venomous, spiritually speaking, a very venomous uh, attack on the, on the Christian's faith because there were many who thought, well, if I fall back to the way I used to live, what's the harm? These people are teaching the truth and they're doing the same. And so there existed this dangerous influence of false beliefs. And then from there came this destructive behavior. They, many followed their shame, shameful acts, their, their sensuality. Now here's the third step down in this downward spiral from the existence of the influence of false beliefs to the destructive behavior. Third, a, a system of false belief was formed. An actual system of false belief was formed. We see this 
at the end of verse 2, the truth was maligned, and in their greed they exploited. The truth was maligned. The truth was disreputated. The truth was pushed aside, and another system of truth formed. This could reference legalism, antinomianism, all those uh, strange and dangerous doctrines that we mentioned just a moment ago. Uh, the existence of influence of false belief, the destructive behavior, and then the third step down in this downward spiral, an actual system of false belief took hold of many hearts. And then look at the fourth step down. The fourth step down is this. Many were led completely astray. Many uh, fell into apostasy. They were led away from the faith. We know that in verse 3. And in their greed, the false teachers will exploit you with their false words. They will, they will pull you away and lead you down a destructive path. So the fourth step down in this downward spiral, uh, individuals were actually led astray. And then the fifth step down, the truth of Jesus Christ was hidden. Do you see the danger when false voices are given a chance to gain a foothold? This is a warning against the destruction of false beliefs. There's an existence of the influence of false belief. Destructive behavior ensues. A system of false belief forms. People are led astray. The truth of Jesus Christ is hidden in their lives. This is why the warning is so clear. Be careful of those false voices. Because when we begin believing the false voices, we are led away to destruction. So we have these two Clear truths are these two warnings. Warning number one, very clearly, a warning of false voices. Warning number two, a warning of the destruction of false beliefs. It was Charles Spurgeon who observed, nothing makes a man or woman so virtuous as truly believing in the truth. But a lying doctrine will soon beget a lying practice. A man cannot have an, an erroneous belief without by and by having an erroneous lie. Spurgeon concludes, I believe the one thing naturally begets the other. If there is a false voice speaking into your life, it will only bring destruction. It will place you on this downward spiral uh, to a place where so many things uh, could could be destroyed and and I, and I am I am earnestly pleading with you this morning not not for not for the sake of anything that is connected with me but for the sake of God's desire for all of our lives don't listen to the false voices don't base your present life your relationships and your entire future on some voice that's speaking into your life that's giving you nothing but error Avoid that by turning to the truth of Jesus Christ. That one statement in verse 1, they denied their master. Do the opposite of that. Don't deny your master who bought you, who redeemed you. Surrender all of your life to Jesus. Don't give in to the lies. Don't give in to the destructive false beliefs that can so easily cloud our minds and cripple our hearts. There are many people right now giving in to false voices. But don't let that be, be you. Turn to Jesus. Trust him. Surrender your thoughts, your emotions. Surrender your heart 
Surrender your past. Surrender any sin you're struggling with. Surrender your relationships. Surrender it to Jesus. He is truth. And then decide now that that your resolve is more of Jesus, less of this life. Jesus and not this world. Oh, may you treasure Jesus and not the things of this world that are fading. Don't listen to the false voices, blatant or subtle. Don't get in this downward spiral of the danger and destruction of false beliefs. Turn back to the truth of Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you. And he is truth for you. Turn your heart to him. There's no other way to give heed to these warnings of false voices than to turn to Jesus. Uh, I'd like to pray with you. Father God, thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you for these two warnings that truly set our feet on the right path. And Father, help us to know that on the other side of these warnings are the beautiful experience of walking with Jesus by faith and trusting Jesus completely. And Father, for that one person listening who is is under the the, uh, control of a false voice, oh Father, free them now. Remind them of the beautiful truth that, that Jesus is the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Father, your word tells us this. And so Lord, help all of us to surrender our lives to, to Jesus completely so that we'll not, be, uh, we'll not be taken by false voices, but we'll truly be living in the truth of your holy word, the truth of Jesus, and the truth that the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts. Thank you for this time we've had in your word. Lord, as we uh, go through some of these other warnings next week, keep our lives vigil and help us not to fall in uh, to those lies and those mistruths and those wrong beliefs. Father, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. Thank you so much for being a part of this worship service. Hey, there have been so much that we've had in front of us today from God's word. And perhaps a piece of this, uh, maybe some of this, all of this has touched your heart and you really need to speak to someone about what it means to know Jesus or to better walk with him. Right now, there is a, a, a information on the screen right here. Use that information to reach out to us and we will we will get back to you quickly because we do not want you to, to uh, navigate this life without the community of faith around you giving you encouragement. So use this information. Let us hear from you. Uh, we are journeying in our Christian faith together. You are not alone. Don't buy into the lie that the pandemic has separated you. Yes, we might have some physical distance, but with Jesus as our Savior and Lord, you're not alone. You're in the body of Christ. If you need to know Jesus, reach out now, and we want to share what it means to place your trust in him. Church family, friends, online community, love you a lot. Thanks for being a part of this time of teaching. I look forward to seeing you again in 2 Peter, uh, in God's word, in Christian fellowship, in this place. See you soon. Love you a lot.